right, welcome to today's podcast, Friday, October 22nd. Today is the day. If you listen to this podcast, you know about it, but I'm going to guess many people do not know John Legend is here tonight. Um, I've long been a John Legend fan. I've been... Look, I was a fan of a lot of things before you were, but I, in, in this case, maybe I'm bragging just a little bit. Um, but when John Legend did some things with Kanye in like, I don't know, 2004, 2005, um, I was like, oh, okay, this dude went to Penn. Me from Philadelphia, so I instantly connected to him. And by the way, oh yeah, he's incredibly talented and now a worldwide global megastar who will be... Um, in Toledo tonight, in the Great Gallery, I was looking for a guest from TMA to talk about that. I've also been trying to track down this person because we have so many friends in common and she is such a great part of our community. You know, I say that about a lot of people, um, but I want to bring people on the podcast who mean something. And because I know about them, you might not. And I want to, I want you to hear what they're doing here so you can continue to press on with you are doing better. In Toledo, uh, Rhonda Sewell has some incredible things to share. How this whole John Legend thing came together, why it's happening, why you are likely not allowed to be there, or at least not invited. How you may be able to follow it if people so choose to share things out. When there might be video of it, and uh, Rhonda is an old Blade person. And I want to ask her, as someone who's been doing legacy media for a long time, help! Or something like that. It is truly my pleasure and my honor to have now on the podcast the Director of Belonging and Community Engagement from TMA, I think my new friend and bourbon drinker and dog lover, Rhonda Sewell. I can hear you just fine. Perfectly. Awesome. Perfectly. Yay. Perfectly. Yay. Finally. Sorry about that. I know. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so I am recording. So okay. I'll do an intro to get us get us going. So okay. we're off and running. And I, I, I honestly have to tell you, um, I was I don't get nervous talking to anybody, but you are such Aww. a precious and prestigious part of our community. Um, oh, I was like, I, I have to be prepared. But then you liked my dog pictures. I'm like, all right, we're good. This is not a problem. <laughs> I love it. Eric, that is so sweet of you. In in addition to that, though, um, I was working with Katie because I was, I know the John Legend thing, and that's what I want to start talking about. Um, I wanted sure. to, to track somebody down to talk about that. And as gated off as it was and as special as it was, I was thought it would be important to share why and how and all that with, with the rest of the community at large. But when they gave me you and you were on my list anyway because your name kept... <gasps> Uh, being brought up, it was uh, it was two podcasts with one stone. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much. And we, you and I, have so many mutual friends. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. That's why you were you were on my list, John Legend or not. Um, congratulations <laughs> on your press club award last night. Thank you so much. I am still floating on a cloud. Um, I, I, I if we have some time, and ha- when do you have to go? Um, not until two o'clock today. Okay, good. I won't keep you yeah. anywhere near that, yeah. but I, I, I yeah. threw the, some sample questions at Nancy and I definitely want to talk about some, uh, some old world media, which I'm still doing. And you won that award for last night. If we could have some time for that at the end of the conversation. Of course. Of course. Awesome. How the heck did, the, how, how the heck did TMA get John Legend? 
Ah, that's a great question. So we were being very, very intentional about a new concert series that we would like to introduce where we are very aligned with our strategic plan. And our strategic plan is really focusing on the two mile radius around the museum. And we have identified about five neighborhoods or so that we would like to work with because we feel that representation is important and many people in those surrounding neighborhoods, they might've lived in those neighborhoods forever for generations. They have no connection to the museum. And we wanna change that dynamic. We ran into people in nearby neighborhoods that really have never even set foot in the museum, but they've lived in Toledo all of their lives. And we don't want to make the museum, especially a world-class museum like the Toledo Museum of Art, it's one of the pride anchor institutions of our community. We don't want it to be a place that is not welcoming and you don't feel that sense of belonging. So this was very intentional and it was a kickoff of this concert series concept where we invite the public um, and in a strategic way. So it wasn't a public concert. It was actually a private concert that really focused on our outreach youth that we already work with and we've been working with for about a year in the Junction Inglewood area. That's our first neighborhood uh, where we, we've been working for about a year. And then we looked at all of what we've been going through as a community and as a nation and as a globe with the pandemic. And our frontline workers, our medical staff, and our first responders really were a focus. So we, about half of the tickets are going to our outreach youth and the organizations we work with at present, and the other half with frontline uh, workers and first responders. So we reached out to a, a company that um, represents performers and celebrities of, of John Legend's caliber. We also factored into the fact that John Legend is an Ohio guy. He yeah. is, was born and reared in the great state of Ohio, right in Springfield, Ohio. He has connections here in Toledo. He has, you know, cousins here and he's... Uh, performed at Bishop Robert Culp's, uh, Culp's uh, son's wedding 20-some years ago before he became, you know, who we know him as John Legend. So he has Toledo ties, and we thought that would be wonderful. We've had a, a narrative over the summertime on, on the podcast, where we obviously have a lot more time rather than the radio show, um, and I've commended the city um, for trying to keep kids busy. The city parks were were open for so many. Not the metro parks, the city parks. And I know you know this. I'm just repeating this. Um, and I thought that was a good way to get a head start on on eroding crime, which has obviously been a plague here in, in a lot of cities. And with you mentioning, I never thought about the fact that 
you know, uh, the two-mile radius. It the, Obviously, the Old West End is included in that, but if you go over 475, I know you're talking about that area as well, like right near the yeah. Mott Conda branch of the library. And yes. I, I could totally see how those kids may the kids in that and, and families in the neighborhood might go back to the library but maybe they do ignore the art museum and art should be welcoming to all it shouldn't just be for snobby people or uh, people from out of town it should be a place for everyone of all incomes all genders all races and i love the idea to let people who are neighbors of the museum know come on in I love how you put that, Eric. You're right. We are very aware as the officials of the Toledo Museum of Art, and this is a global conversation we're having with museums here and throughout the nation and internationally. Um, There is a perception of elitism. We want to disrupt that. Um, It's a really new concept and I think the what we saw happening, the protests of a year or so ago, the murder of George Floyd, um, those types of incidents that affected us as a society really woke up organizations and institutions and made them look at, you know, how can we face this reckoning? How can we face um, making our staffs more diverse? How can we address equity? How can we, um, you know, you talked to Katie Shelley, our manager of access initiatives. Access wasn't even an issue prior. You know, people were just skirting by if they were barely ADA compliant. Now it is a topic of discussion. And, you know, tragic events led to all of this awakening. But I'm glad that institutions and anchor institutions that really have influence, like the museum, are starting to say, you know what? We're gonna put this in our strategic plan. This is our goal over the next five years and beyond. And we want to engage community. And that's really, Eric, why I was hired. My role um, is a new role that director Adam Levine had the vision to uh, hire me as a director of belonging and community engagement. So it's really what you were talking about. It's it's meeting people where they are. It's not having any expectations of change, but it's also inviting the community in. And I, I actually didn't finish my question and point with the city stuff, and that's because I forgot about it. But I was going with the route of, look, we're not going to stop the crime by sending more police out to the streets and doing that right now. That arguably could exacerbate the problem. But when these kids know that they're welcome at a place in their community, that will stop or potentially stop the crime where these kids and young families know they have a place to go where they are welcome. So, again, I love this. Um and I was just looking up John Legend real real fast, and I, I, I got into him in the mid-2000s when I was like, hey, he went to Penn. I'm originally yeah. from, I'm originally from Philadelphia. Um, I think he had a middle-class upbringing, nothing too downtrodden, mm-hmm. but middle-class. And I think it's great, and this was probably very intentional on your part and TMA's part, to bring in someone that looks like them to go, you could be up here one day. Exactly. I mean, it was very strategic. One of our objectives in our strategic plan is a transition to active outreach, but it's also to broaden the narrative of art history. So what's going to happen at the John Legend concert 
is we're also exposing and unearthing our full collection based on a playlist that he sent to us. So each of his songs were um, evaluated by our curatorial staff and we disrupted our great gallery, which, you know, if you've been in there, you know, you've been a thousand times, Eric, there's the Rubens and all the Baroque and, you know, old masters in there. Well, the narrative of art history is more broad than from a Eurocentric uh, standpoint. Let's just be honest. And so that's what uh, our curatorial staff did. So if you look into the great gallery today, it looks a lot different. And we still have Rubens up there. And it's not, it, you know, belonging is not uh, saying this is no longer relevant. It's just the opposite. This is relevant, but this is also relevant as it relates to maybe other societies, other cultures, other religious groups, and their art as well. So that's what we're really doing here. My eyes were open to the gem of TMA, and I've been here now since 2013, and maybe this exhibit okay. was like 2014 or 15. They, right. They had the classic sneaker exhibit. Oh, that was so fun. And that's when I was like, okay, this is not just like what you said, pictures from 500 years ago, and then... Several years later, I got to be part of a breakdance competition in the Great Gallery. Isn't that so cool? Yeah. And <laughs> it, it's, it's disruptive, but it's intentional at the yeah. same time. It's really saying, you know, there's not just one narrative of art. Yep, absolutely. I mean, art is as subjective as anything there possibly is. And I've always loved TMA for things like this. And I have a feeling one of the things that you have maybe not banged your head against the wall about, but you've shouted and wanted to promote since you got there is we got to tell people about this. Everybody's got to know about what this is and all the things that are here because we know from a... uh, like a snobby elitist standards, you could drop that art museum in, in the middle of the world and people would would be in awe and they would never guess they're in Toledo. But there is so much more than these classical pieces. Exactly. And we are very aware of that. And I'm so proud of our officials. And it's really under the leadership of Adam Levine. He is such a visionary leader and he leads by example. So our curatorial staff is becoming more diverse. We're being very intentional about um, hiring consultants in African art. We have a beautiful African art collection. Hiring a consultant in Asian art. We have a, an amazing Asian collection. People need to see that. Our cloister, you know, the medieval cloister is being disrupted uh, now, and um, everyone calls it a renovation. I call it a disruption because the, the, the stereotype of what medieval um, treasures are are now becoming looked on as a global from a global lens. So now when it reopens to the public, it's under renovation now and being reimagined, when it opens to the public in, in mid-December, it will look so different. We'll have uh, Islamic uh, art. We'll have Chinese artifacts. We'll have African ivory, all from the medieval period. So it's, it's and we'll have the Christian uh, vein that we've always had. 
But this is just something that we want to do. Again, it is a very intentional strategic plan that we are following to the letter. And um, this particular concert of John Legend is the first uh, sneak peek of what our intentions are and that we're very serious about um, engaging with community in very rich ways. You've started with high standards. It's going to be hard to get better than someone like him because of the star he is. And more the, I, I, we never know. We never really know, even as as much as they let us into their lives. But it's hard to find a better person. Did he? Did you get? Uh, if you had access to this, did you get any personal reaction to his invitation or you seeking him out? Because I would guess, at least from what we know of him, that. This is not that he would do it for free or anything like that, but he would be very eager to be a part of something like this. Yeah, he was coming off of a tour. <laughs> so, you know, usually they say no to these kind of things because the, these tours are very, you know, uh, they take a lot of energy and they're tiring. We wrote a glowing proposal um, and his team, I can tell you, were so excited. They've been wonderful to work with. And they were excited about this because they said, we have not um, heard of anything like this before. I mean, there's, you know, there's Jay-Z and there's Beyonce at the Louvre, you know, yep. <laughs> for different reasons. But this was very intentional because, as you know, John Legend is very, very philanthropic. He's into issues such as mass incarceration, youth development. So this was this was in line with who he is as a person at, at his core. Um, it also was an opportunity for him to see his parents and family yeah. members who are coming uh, to the concert. And, you know, this was just an intentional act. But um, just you wait, Eric. I can't wait to reveal some of the other people we're in talks with and once those are confirmed, you, you'll say, oh, boy, wow, they're really being serious here. So and, and we want we will still have public programming, um, but these private community based programming, they make a difference. Um, when you get those people, I hope, because I've enjoyed so much of this, this so far, it's been everything I was hoping for. I hope you say, all right, I, I, I need five minutes. I got to go talk to Eric about this. I want to jump on the podcast again because I'm looking Listen, forward to it. Eric, anytime, anytime. Um, before we step away from the John Legend stuff, will there be anything in the wake of it where the population here, Toledo and whoever at large can view it and see what happened? How locked down will it be? How secret will it be? Yeah, we're in talks now with his team. Um, we are allowed to um, have a contracted recording and then we'll um, talk to his team about viewing that and approving that. And and after um, that approval, um, we may be able to share that. Okay. I actually kind of like that it's it's closed off. Because yeah. There's, yeah. No, there's nothing like that in life anymore yeah. because everything is so is so out there. In fact, we do things and <laughs> we're, we're not uh, Gen Z or millennials. I guess I'm an old millennial, but 
Many yeah. people do yeah. things intentionally just to post, and it's nice to just put your phone away, especially for like a special experience yeah. like this. And it makes it that much more premium or exclusive to be invited to something like this. Yeah, I mean, and his team is not so restrictive that they know people have cell phones, and we're not prohibiting photography at all. He, they just would prefer no, no video recording and that's their right to do that. Sure. Um, but, but they know that it's hard to control. <laughs> yeah, it really is. So yeah, but we'll, we'll go through the rules of, of, of our guidelines in the beginning. We did contract with, a, uh, two local, um, videography firms. And once, uh, we we go through a review process, um, it may be revealed. So can but ask- you'll see a lot on social media. Uh, you'll see a lot of, you know, hashtags. It's JL takes TMA. I like is it. the official hashtag. And the name of the event is Art Legend. <laughs> JL takes TMA. So I'm going to talk about that on yeah. the air today. So okay, re- remind great. my audience, like, you can't go. Sorry, but you can follow yeah. along if people choose to post. <laughs> Um, exactly, exactly. To move beyond this incredible story, um, what has been your biggest challenge as director of belonging and community community engagement? Conversely, what has come a lot smoother than you expected in this role? So um, that's an excellent question. First, I want to tell you, I haven't even hit my six-month mark yet. <laughs> So I started in late April. So at the end of October will be six months for me in this very new role. Um, And I'll start, I always start with a positive. So let me start there. Um, This role has been so amazing. And from the perspective of local community, they followed my career path and they said, Rhonda, I don't know better title for you and a better job description than doing this work that's so intentional. And there's very um, many elements of diversity and equity and, 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 you know, um, access and inclusion, but really belonging is much more. Um, Those are kind of guiding principles to the work that we're doing. But belonging is just meeting people where they are, um, making sure that they feel represented and that they feel a sense of belonging and welcoming when they come into this huge, intimidating, classical uh, building, you know, erected in the 1900s by, uh, you know, Edward Drummond Libby and his wife, Florence Scott Libby. I mean, this was... an intentional act, I think, even back then, Eric, when they would say things like, hey, you know, this is a museum that was built for the people by the people. That was one. I found that in an article back in 1916 about the building. And I thought, you know, that rings true today. This is about um, trying to make sure that everyone feels that this is their Toledo Museum of Art. I've started a a whole campaign. So we have it on our t-shirts, we have it in ads, and it just says TMA where you belong. So it's really a poignant and intentional 
um, messaging and branding that we're trying to do. So that has been the the beauty of everything that people have been have identified that Rhonda, you're the you're the person for this job. If anyone can do it, because we've followed your career, we know you at the core. So that has been the great thing. I think the challenge has been I want to do it all right now. <laughs> I do. I'm and, the same way. I'm the, I'm the same yeah. way. I, I want to do all of these things. I want to do the concert series. I'm going to be hiring a program manager soon. I want to do all of these fantastic and intentional acts. But as I explained to our director in a one-on-one -on -one direct report, I told him, I said, you know what, Adam, these types of relationships, nurturing a culture of belonging is truly the word nurture is so important because it's about building trust with the community. It's about building an actual um, relationship with community because after that, and after you have intentional um, efforts, um, art education, outreach, that's when a relationship forms. And sometimes that takes time because there are of distrust um, in certain pockets of the community. So we're trying to show and reveal that, you know, we are being very honest about this. We're not going to come into your community and then disappear because um, that does often happen with big institutions. They have these, you know, wonderful ideas and then they go away and disappear. It happens. Um, in, it happens. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. It happens in June no. when all the corporations turn their logo pink for pride and then it, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, rainbow and then they vanish. Yeah. And, and, and it's about having an ongoing relationship with organizations um, and, and, and highlighting everyone and making sure that the community has access to the museum in ways that they did not prior. So even utilization of space is an issue that I'm concerned about as well. So I think the negative is I'm trying to do it all right now, but I have to <laughs> remind myself to slow down because it's all good work. And I know that it will have impact for generations to come. You uh, you answered like an interview question, like what are your weaknesses? And I have to tell you, uh, I, I I'm I'm the same way. Like when I get excited yeah. about a project or a job or whatever it may be, moving into my house, redoing, like I want it all done right away. Me and too. So like I'm sure you you know this like when we do this we maybe miss a detail or there's a mistake and then we it bites us in the butt but then it's like okay it resets us and then we see the bigger vision and we we carry it out Exactly and after tonight you know our team we've worked so hard um collectively to do this to uh operationalize this whole concert series and we we've been sending videos of uh, to each other like game of thrones videos <laughs> to each other like let's do this we've got this you know and just trying to encourage each other because this is a really big deal and it's really special one of our outreach youth she said to one of our um, managers that maria i've never been to a live program before a performance this will be my first 
those are the kinds of things that matter. This is why it is a private intentional event. You know, I'm, I'm going to be very transparent here. We were very um, shocked by some of the um, people in the public saying, you know, well, why didn't you have two concerts? Or why didn't you, in, you know, make it open to the public? And that is not our trajectory. That is not our focus right now. We will have public events. But we also will have very intentional events that are trying to broaden that narrative, but also trying to make sure we have active outreach and community engagement. And we are unapologetic about what our focus is right now. When I saw that it wasn't open, first of all, I was I was stunned that you guys could secure this, but I'm so delighted it happened. And yeah. We don't know each other that well. Um, you can ask our, our similar friends, but this is me. I'm like, good. Keep out some of the white people and the rich people. Let these people enjoy this. because <laughs> You are th- so funny, this Eric. Is, I- I'm candid is what I am. Like, Cardi's, and I'm not trying to get political, but Cardi's like 10-point plan or whatever to solve crime, it's, it's jarring. These are the things that are done in communities that keep them from eroding. And the results, as the as the mayor has said, like this doesn't happen in, in, in six days. It happens in six months and six years. And there's going to be a kid tonight that enjoys this, knowing that his opportunity, he, was final, he or she was finally giving something that his maybe more affluent white friends at school were not allowed to come to. And they, they now realize that someone is trying to lift them up. And they're going to take advantage of that opportunity and they're going to say to their mom or dad or whoever and say, you know what, I'm going to be where John Legend is back here one day. And and that's what we didn't have enough of prior to George Floyd. But to your point, like you said, awakening, I've said reckoning and TMA and you were making the most of it. So I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much, Eric. You know, I work for about 15 years about half of that time in governmental affairs. So I know when to not comment about elected officials (laughs) (laughs) and governmental officials. But getting back to your point about the Toledo Museum of Art, um, we're looking at it from a holistic perspective. And you're so right when it comes to the Junction Inglewood area. I mean, that's about 80% African-American, 7,000 people. And our intent is to work with about 2,000 of of the youth, you know, and we'll have high school age kids coming tonight. um, And they have been engaged in um, also doing what our curatorial staff did. So they made T-shirts with Marseille Culp. They're going to wear their T-shirt designs tonight. Um, They've done art, um, education. They've done all of these things in relation to his playlist. So they were inspired by Glory um, for one of the pieces and Ordinary People. They used those two uh, songs to make fashion and art and that they're, they're going to wear that tonight. So it, it, there's so many components to this concert that are so much more than what people see of just, you know, oh, hey, the museum is hosting a private concert. Only first responders and kids can go, you know, from this area. It is so layered, Eric, and it's so intentional, and we get goosebumps just talking about it. 
And we will be in other neighborhoods, Eric. So, you know, when we say the white kids, we have to be careful because there are marginalized uh, white youth. Um, and so we are looking at everybody. We're looking at Latinx population. So we'll be going to South Toledo. We'll be going to the east side. We'll be going to all of those neighborhoods because all of our kids matter. Yep. Yeah. I, I thank you for clearing up my misspeaking there. There are people of all colors uh, who are in a less fortunate situation than others. They are. I they just, really are. I just went with the, the, the cliche. I, my apologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To step, no, no, no. To step away from that for a second, uh, you mm-hmm. received an incredible award last night from the press club, the Golden Touchstone. Um oh. After 18 years as a reporter at The Blade, which I did not know until I looked you up a little bit. And this is where I want to change the conversation a little bit. Sure. Congratulations. Absolutely. But Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. Um, As someone who has been uh, away from it and watched media change so much, especially, I mean, the pandemic has exacerbated everything for, for good and for bad. I've gotten to the point now... So I've done radio for my entire adult life. I'm 42 years old and I'm not moving to another city to do any more media. I keep saying I'm going right. to run I'm going to run these railroad tracks out here at Cumulus <laughs> until it, when when they're when they're done they're done and I'll go do I'll come looking for a job with you. Um but I do it feels <laughs> like it. where every day before was a day closer to the end of my time in media. Now it's been multiplied. It's been turbocharged. It's two days is is now one day. Um, radio and the newspaper and even nightly news. It's it's legacy media and people under thirty or or thirty five. They don't connect with it. Um, what is your your take and your thoughts on where legacy media is? That is such a good question. First of all, I I am so honored that the press club recognized me uh, for my a lifetime of achievement in journalism. In addition to the 18 years at the Blade, I also worked prior at the uh, Lansing State Journal, a Gannett uh, operation, and before that, in college, I was a reporter for the Independent State News uh, newspaper. I've also worked for um, the now defunct Clio magazine as the American fashion correspondent. And that was a magazine based in Cairo, Egypt. Um, I'm a columnist for the Stalwart magazine. I write a monthly column called Rhonda has spoken, which is my hashtag. And, and, you know, Chris Peterson, who's a, a board member of the press club, she said, Rhonda, I also follow your social media stories, because I write a lot about my family and genealogy and me roaming the museum and finding these cool things. And, you know, she said, I just love your storytelling. And I think once a journalist, always a journalist. But your question is really powerful and profound because it was around 2006 when I left the newspaper. I had started there at the tender age of 21 in 1988. And, you know, I, I, I can call myself old school now, you know, because as a Gen Xer, um, I was around during the heyday of journalism when advertising was our bread and butter. And we were riding high on big ads that supported, you know, our paper, 
um, the blade being privately owned, we could travel to various countries and cover um, breaking news. We could cover um, just private um, stories that we wanted to pitch and the owners and editors were all for it. And so now around 2006 is when kind of the bottom fell out, at least from my, my lens. And I actually, you know, considered what we jokingly say in the business as going to the dark side of PR marketing, which was stable. Um, and that's what I did. I started in 2006 as a media relations coordinator in the marketing department at the library. And I never in a million years, you know, I'm a J school graduate and studied international journalism and graduate studies. And I would never imagine myself going into a marketing PR world. Um, so I knew something was shifting and, you know, what was that shift? Well, it was probably the internet <laughs> that crushed everything. You know, there was free advertising and all of a sudden, you know, radio went dark and all of these things. But I always feel strongly about this. And this is my late director, Clyde Scholes, may he rest in peace, the, the former director of the Toledo Lucas County Public Library. He was a mentor. And he always said, you know, people say that about the publishing industry. This 500-year-old institution is not going anywhere. <laughs> now, it may be reimagined. I mean, look at, look at the, the podcast explosion that has happened. Um, young people, they often um, get their news sources from different ways. And yes, we have to transition and, and accommodate but those so-called legacy media outlets, they're still there. They're still there and there's a respect for them. And we cannot cater um, journalism on one generation. They have influence over the, the media, but they don't have total control over it. Uh, just like the same people that you're talking about who get their media elsewhere, those are the same ones who are playing vinyl. Yeah, <laughs> they're into records now, you know. So, so it's it's all of, sometimes it's about trends. Um, but I, I'm just glad they're getting it somewhere. It, it, it's the whole John Stewart argument, you know. At one time when he was, you know, uh, I know he's coming back, but when he was in his heyday. You know, young people were getting their news from John Stewart. Yeah, they weren't getting their news from print media. And print, uh, you know, the the only thing that makes me sad is kind of you almost have the death of the printed newspaper. Yes. Um. Everyone else has been able to accommodate. Like your industry has been able to reimagine itself through podcasting, whereas newspapers they live largely online. Um, and that printed copy is no more, you know, um, that's, that's the, that's the sad thing, but who knows there may be a resurgence. I mean, we just don't know. We have to ride with the times, um, as long as we're, uh, getting accurate information, 
the speaker last night, um, Dr. Nicole Kraft, she mentioned um, we did go through a dark period, speaking of politics, where all of a sudden um, there was anti, uh, anti-media anti sentiment, so much so that people were harmed. You know, yep. newspapers were bombed. Um, and that was a, that's a scary period when you have like that anti um, sentiment to legacy media. Um, but all in all, I am I'm an eternal optimist, Eric. Um, I just say, you know, even if we have to reinvent ourselves, we reinvent ourselves. But the accuracy to me, the um, honesty and being a voice for the people that's what I'm more concerned about. Not really how it comes to me, how that information comes to me. And it's a little scary with all the misinformation um, online. Yeah. It's hard uh, for me in a lot of ways and for my friends, they're my friends, writers of the blade to reinvent when uh, it's hard to cut through corporate culture. And that goes back to what you yeah. said of 2006. Um, in 2007, my former company, uh, Clear Channel, sold to, yeah. to Bain. And there was $20 billion in debt. And when you've got so much money like that, um, the best programming and public decisions aren't necessarily made. It's for the bottom line, and we hope we don't lose too much of the public. It has been you got at it exactly at right the t- at the right time is what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I really did, and and you know some of the the Blados and I we talk about that. They're like Rhonda, you kind of led that train, and you know when you got out, it was like wow, she's enjoyed an 18 year career. I thought she was going to retire here. But you got out because, you know, I noticed that, oh, there's a shift here. There's a change. And I've got to accommodate. But I never, Chris Peterson and I were talking about this this morning. I never, ever lost that um, ability to, like, speak on behalf of the people, to, to share the story, to, to make sure that I am being the most accurate and the most fair and the most objective about the information that I'm sharing with people. And I think that's really what the focus needs to be. Yeah. Myself as well. Um, one of my, I learned something from you. One of my touchstones is, uh, is being authentic. Um, I, I am a mental health advocate because people made me be that because in my old show, um, at iHeart, I talked about my struggles often, yes. and mm-hmm. it's it's what drew people to me, and I will always do that. But um, you gave me another way to to reframe that. Whenever this journey of mine is done, um, like you said, a journalist always telling stories. I will mm-hmm. I will continue to be authentic, but I will keep telling stories because you know in media that's what we do. That's all we do. We tell stories, whether they're personal stories or those of others. We tell stories. I have the best quote for you, Eric. Okay. So I'm a reader. I love books. Obviously, I worked at a library for a long time. <laughs> um, so Gloria Naylor was the author of The Women of Brewster Place and Mama Day and Linden Hills. Anyone, uh, one of her um, books was turned into a movie. Oprah starred in it, uh, The Women of Brewster Place. She said at one time, and this is my favorite quote, Eric, that you must be militant about the validity of your story. 
And I love that quote because really she's saying you must be um, authentic about what your truth is. And if your truth is about advocating mental health or standing up for, you know, the marginalized or whatever it may be, be militant about it, you know, um, be serious about it, shout it from the rooftops, be unapologetic about it, be an advocate for it. And I, I just absolutely love that quote. I have it all over my house. Be militant about the validity of your story. Uh, I, I I was going to ask something about that, but I don't want to take too much more time because there's another interesting question that I want to wrap up with. Um, what do you do for fun? How do you how do you chill out? I know you have twins. What tell what's Rhonda like outside of work? Oh my! So what do I do for fun? I really like spending a lot of time with friends. I like laughter and going to concerts, and I'm a I I go go go. <laughs> all the time. And I kind of have fun everywhere. Like, you know, I'm a pretty consistent person as far as my personality is concerned. And I'm, um, like I told you, I'm unapologetically an eternal optimist, but I like to be present with people. I like good conversation. Um, I never turn away a good glass of bourbon as well. And I like taking advantage of a lot of the local um, businesses. I support local. I'm all about the 419. So I like, you know, venturing to uh, different places of business that are locally owned and, but really spending time uh, with friends and family. And my precious twin daughters are adults now. So they're seniors in college um, at Ohio Wesleyan and the Ohio State University. They're 21 and they're in their final year. So I'm a true empty nester with a little rescue dog named Oliver. So we have our fun. <laughs> uh, did I lose you? Are you still there? Uh, Rhonda, are you there? Yes, oh, I am. Back. I'm so sorry. No, yes. no, no. Uh, uh, one and a half more questions to, to put you on the spot just a little bit. And then I want to ask something of you. One, okay. uh, to really put you on the spot, what's your favorite uh, pound for pound, bite for bite Toledo restaurant or area restaurant? Oh, God, that's so difficult. I know. I know. Oh, my God. I think really you have to go with the Beirut. Okay. Okay. You have to do it. But there are so many others that I love. I, I love Hot Box Bistro. Oh my God. Her salmon is so good there. And there's so many others. There's so many others. All right. The other one. But, be, I, but I love the Beirut. Because it's that time of year and I try to, I, <laughs> I, I'm trying to collect people to put on my team here. How do you feel about candy corn? Okay. <laughs> let's. let's Let's talk about candy corn, <laughs> if you will. Okay. Yes. So I personally like the taste of candy corn. Okay. Because candy corn has a tartness to it. The thing I dislike about candy corn is it gets stuck in your back teeth. Yes. That's the part I don't like as much. But candy corn is my jam. Okay. Well, if you want to get rid of the, the candy aspect of it and getting stuck in your teeth, I have several alcoholic recipes of candy corn that I'd be happy to share <laughs> with you. 
I uh, love it. I just saw uh, someone had bratwurst with oh. candy corn in it. Like, that's a real mm. thing mm. right now. Isn't that disgusting? Yeah. <laughs> like, there are some things that go too far with candy corn. And the last that's thing, right. the last thing, I want you to do something. I know you uh, You have about nine days left, and you need some money, don't you, for another cause of yours. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for mentioning that. So I am the president-elect of the Arts Commission board, and we are doing a peer-to-peer campaign. So what we're doing is we're really making sure that our friends and our family and loved ones know about the great work of the Arts Commission. And I have to say, Eric, I'm so proud. I set a really high goal to raise $5,000, and I'm almost at $4,000 right now. So I I would love people to like donate any denomination of five, only because I had a birthday with two double nickels in it recently so a lot of my good friends are donating $55 but some people are donating $15 or $25 or just $5 depending on your capacity so I have a link that is on my uh, Facebook page and also it lives on my uh, Instagram page awesome um, I think you're gonna hit that goal. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make it a point to help out. And oh, thank you, Eric. <laughs> I, I I I this was as as great as I hoped, and it was such a pleasure to meet you. I too like dark liquors now. I too Uh-oh. love my dog. So if you want to get together sometime, I love coffee. I love you. I love TMA. Oh, um, Eric. So let's connect outside of podcasts and and all this this work talk, and and let's get to know each other better. Eric, you've got a you got a date. Let's do it. Awesome. Rhonda, thank you so much. Good luck with everything tonight. It's gonna to be a perfect evening. Lives will be changed tonight. Thank you so very much, Eric, and thanks for all that you do. Of course, I so of appreciate you. Thanks, Rhonda. Take care. Be well. Okay, bye-bye.